0: That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together.
0: I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It
1: opened up so many more doors. The show is
0: called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris. Cover everything Dodgers. Right here on
1: Inside the Ravine. Somehow, some way, the Dodgers season has officially come to an end on October 15th. Not in the World Series, not in the National League Championship Series in the National League Division Series. Uh, this is gonna be a very depressing episode of Inside the Ravine and joining me is my co-host Josh Schaefer. I'm your host Blake Harris. and Josh, we're just gonna get into it. What a disaster! Um, the regular season that was the greatest in Dodgers history. It's gonna be forgotten and this goes down as one of the biggest embarrassments in not only Major League Baseball history, but you can make the case in American sports history overall from what we just saw.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was something, wasn't it? Um, And it all happened real fast in the seventh inning. Um, And credit to the Padres tonight. I mean, they had nothing for six innings. I mean, they really had nothing for six innings. And surprisingly, the Dodgers actually got to Joe Musgrove. I mean, He didn't look bad by any means. I still think he had a decent outing, but I mean, the Dodgers got their hits. They they got their runs against him. Um, And the seventh inning, uh, that's when it all fell apart. It happened real quickly too. It was not a slow burn over a number of innings. It was all at once. Um, And that's, what's impressive. I mean, uh, you know, the last couple of games, I I think that I don't want to say the Dodgers beat themselves. Um, They certainly were not the better team in the series, but I don't think the Padres played an incredible series by any means uh, at all. Um, you know, in the game where the Dodgers went 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and lost. Padres went 2 for 11. It's not very good either, but they had two hits, and that was the difference in that game. So um for the Padres, it was uh, the fact that through the first three games, they were a little bit better than the Dodgers. And then tonight, seventh inning and beyond, I mean, they were just awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. I mean, I think that this is not just the most disappointing end to a season in Dodgers history, I I believe this is the single most disappointing postseason performance in baseball history.
1: Yeah. So we're going to say, I mean, we're not going to break down the entire series tonight. This is just going to be an episode pretty much Given our thoughts on what just happened in Game Four, we're gonna have a show at some time this week going over the series as a whole because there's a lot to get to. I mean, there's a lot of things you can break down game by game, but today we're just gonna be focusing on Game Four. Before you guys uh, get to hear us rant about tonight's performance, you guys can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all that fantastic off-season content that's gonna be coming your way. Because oh, there's no postseason content coming, so you can find us at Inside the Ravine. And uh, you guys can also find the show wherever you get your podcast on the Odyssey app, Spotify or Apple podcasts. Just search for us inside the ravine. Yeah, Josh, I kicked us off with this and this is something that I've been telling you for the last couple of days. And I-, I tweeted this out, you know, the second the game ended and I'm going to tell you why I-, I believe that this is the worst performance, you know, in baseball history. I know a lot of people are going to say it's the 2001 Mariners that won 116 games. But that's a team that went to the ALCS first off, so they were just you know on the verge of being in the World Series, and they lost to a Yankees team that was going for their fourth consecutive World Series title. So it's not like they got upset by you know some scrub of a team. they got you know taken down by a team that nearly you know they lost to Arizona, almost won their fourth consecutive World Series title. So the Dodgers, one hundred and eleven wins. I believe it's tied for the fourth most in baseball history, but it's the most in Dodgers history, most in the National League in like 100 years, something like that, I want to say. The best run differential since the 1939 Yankees. So 82, 83 years that no team has put up a run differential as good as the Dodgers did this season. Josh, this is the one that I actually heard today. I was watching the Phillies game and Joe Davis mentioned this. This is the biggest wins differential in a playoff matchup of 22 games, Dodgers had 111 wins, Padres had 89 wins since the 1906 Cups. So you can make the case that this is the biggest playoff upset in over a century. Yeah. And this is a Dodgers team that led the series 1-0. It's a 5-game series, so you just got to win two more games, and they lost three consecutive games to finish the series. And honestly, it aside from tonight when the Dodgers, you know, had a lead in the 7th inning, these were games in which the Padres just outplayed them. It wasn't like the Dodgers you know, were on the verge of winning all these games. They just simply weren't. They were outplayed. The Do- And even in game one, Josh, I know we talked about this following the show, the Dodgers won a very ugly game one. We talked about that immediately after the game saying they should be lucky they won. So through the course of four games, I want to say the Padres were maybe the better team for 85% or so, maybe something like that. And that's just something that's inexcusable. It should not have happened. And again, this is, in my opinion, Josh, the biggest uh, failure in baseball history. And I'd have to do my research on NBA, NFL, some NHL action, but it's tough to see there being a collapse bigger in one of those three sports than what we saw this year with the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you threw NHL in there too, but I do agree with you. I you know, I think that, I mean, the Dodgers were the favorite coming into the season. Uh, they were the favorite going into the postseason. Um, and I, I, I think that that was that would be the general answer, regardless of who you asked. I mean, maybe you'd get some AL fans that might say the Astros or the Yankees, but seriously, I mean, I I think most baseball fans would tell you the favorite to win the World Series at the start of the season, at the end of the season, and going into the NLDS was 100% the Dodgers. And I think that – You're absolutely right with the things that they accomplished this year, with the players on the roster, with how good the bullpen had been all season long, with how good the starting pitching had been all season long, even with some injuries, and with how good the offense had been. And you just gave all the numbers. I don't need to go over them again. But uh, there was no reason why the Dodgers should not have – why the Dodgers should have not won this series. The Padres had no business winning this series, and they did, because even if they – the Padres didn't play their best baseball. I thought thought the series against the Mets was a much better – even if it was three games, I think those two wins that the Padres had against the Mets were significantly better performances than any of their wins against the Dodgers. The fact of the matter is that they outplayed the Dodgers in all three of their wins in this series um, because, frankly, they hit the ball. Dodgers didn't hit the ball. And you know what? We had said these last couple of shows, you know, after game one, the offense was mad, but the bullpen was pretty good. And even in game two, you know what? The bullpen was pretty good. In game three, the bullpen was pretty good too. But tonight it was the bullpen that lost in the game. And it wasn't just Tommy Canely who came in and had absolutely nothing. Even though last game he was lights out or two games ago, he was lights out whenever that was. Uh, Canely came in and had nothing. Um, uh, Almonte came in and was okay. Gave up a, a, a hit or two. And then Vessia came in and and didn't have his best stuff either. And of course those runs aren't charged to him, but all three of those guys didn't have their best stuff. Um, and after that, the bullpen was okay. You know, Phillips came in and looked good, but that's seventh inning. I mean, that was it, right? And it seemed like it was right when right when the Padres scored that first run. I'll be honest. That, that's when it seemed like that was it. I mean, it, they were yeah. rolling. They had no outs. And, of course, that comes right after a top of the seventh inning where the Dodgers have the bases loaded and no
1: outs and score one run.
0: And if you get one hit, yeah. it's a different baseball game.
1: You, yeah, you probably so we'll
0: don't
1: plan- lose 5-3. Yeah, so we're going to go from, like, pretty much beginning to end. But, Josh, so – This game went only four, or the series went only four games. Padres took three of them. In the four-game series, the Padres had a run differential of plus three. The Padres outscored the Dodgers by three runs in a four-game series, but they took three of four. Because like you said, it wasn't like the Mets, where the Padres dominated the Mets in both those wins. There wasn't a game here that was dominated by the Padres. Every game was there for the taking, but the offense just did not decide to show up. So before we talk about some of those
0: games, but some of those games, even if it was a one run game for the Dodgers and the Padres seemed like they were, the discrepancy was much wider.
1: It seemed insurmountable. Like it seemed insurmountable, which is the crazy thing is after, you know, the seventh inning happened, they were only down two runs, but that felt like it was six. So Josh, we're going to talk about the offense later in a bit, but the thing I want to talk about the most is Tyler Anderson, because he went five innings, no runs, two hits, six strikeouts. He had a, he had one bad inning. I want to say it was the third inning maybe. I can't remember what inning it was, but he had some runners on the bases. For you know, I think he had first and second with two outs, got out of the jam. Outside of that, he was in cruise control all night. But the Dodgers pull him after five innings. He made 86 pitches. The top of the lineup was coming up you know, in the sixth inning. But if Anderson goes out there for the sixth and gives them another inning – it limits the bullpen workload. Maybe you bring in Chris Martin in for the seventh, which clearly would have been likely the better option compared to what we saw. So what are your thoughts on the Dodgers playing analytics, listening to the computers, saying you can't face the, the same guys in the lineup a third time, even though Joe Musgrove, he was facing the entire Dodgers lineup for a third time. So did not the Dodgers pull Tyler Anderson too early, or are you okay with pulling him after five?
0: You know, I think it's t- So I'm not going to get into this too much, but there were obviously some comments said on on the TV side of things that were kind of like made you go, what? From time to time. Um, and I will say something that AJ Pruszynski said later in the game, um, I thought made a lot of sense. And he said the Dodgers pitching has done the same thing all four games. Five innings, done. 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 The Padres have rolled with it. The Dodgers, five starting pitch or four starting pitchers were done after five innings every single game. Different pitch counts, different situations. They were done after five innings. Didn't matter who it was. Mm-hmm. After that is when your bullpen needs to pick up the slack. And up until tonight, the bullpen did that without that one blemish from trying and being the home run to Cronenworth a couple of nights ago. Other than that, the bullpen was flawless until tonight. And this is when they dropped the ball tonight. But at the same time, when do you start? leaning on your starting pitchers a little bit more and forgetting about the analytics, forgetting about this, forgetting about that. Granted, when Tyler Anderson was pulled, he had that top of the order looming again, but he had been lights out up until that point. And you know what? The Padres rolled with Musgrove and, and Dave Roberts didn't for Tyler Anderson. And, you know, you can look back and say, you know, hindsight's 2020, but if you do think about it and you let him go out there for the sixth inning doesn't even have to go the whole inning. If you throw him out there in the sixth yeah. inning, that changes your bullpen makeup. That changes when you bring Chris Martin into that game or whether or not you take Chris Martin or you bring Chris Martin in and then also send him back out for the seventh or something like that. If he doesn't pitch the the entire sixth inning. Um, but that changes the makeup of your bullpen. Maybe you bring Evan Phillips in sooner. Maybe you bring in Bruce Dar gratterall Bruce Dar gratterall was warming up tonight and then went and sat down for Chris Martin. So, um, I think that if you do leave Tyler Anderson in another inning or at least see what he's got with how good he had been through five innings, that completely changes the back end of your bullpen for the final few innings of the game. And I'm not saying that changes the outcome completely, but it might change the total makeup of that seventh inning and what actually goes down.
1: Yeah. You know, I I like what you said, because yeah, up until this point, the bullpen outside of Blake Trinan's solo homer to Cronenworth the other day and all allowing a run because of Trey Turner's error, the bullpen had been lights out like they'd been all season. My thing with Tyler Anderson was, just because again, the five innings that we saw from the Dodgers uh, pitchers in this series were you know, all different. Like Tyler Anderson went five innings, but he looked like he was in cruise control. Clayton Kershaw went five innings, but that dude looked like he was walking through the Sahara Desert the way he was sweating, the way he looked gassed. That one I could see wanting to pull him after five. So you know, all, all situations are different. But I agree, this this seems like this should have been a situation where I think you had Juan Soto leading off the inning, I want to say. Have Tyler Anderson face Juan Soto. If he issues a hit, allows a walk, then that's it. You pull the plug in, I think, and I think you bring in a bullpen arm. Yeah. Whether it's Chris Martin, whether it's Bruce Dark Rattle, but I think Tyler Anderson needs to start that inning. If he gets If he gets you three outs, fantastic. He's done. Go to the seventh, you have three innings. If he allows a base runner to the first, second, or third hitter, you pull him, that's it, and you bring in the bullpen. I thought, especially, I mean, considering that there's a, there was a game five potential tomorrow, you need to save as many bullpen arms as possible. So I, I just thought it was trying to get too cute with, again, trying to read too much into the analytics, what you should do, relying on the bullpen too much, because even if the Dodgers somehow would have gotten through that, you're going through a lot of bullpen arms that you're going to need tomorrow and a potential winner take all. So I would have let Anderson go. Like I said, let him go until someone reaches base where he throws a 1-2-3 inning. But at the end of the day, he did what needed to be done out of him. And it was the bullpen, which, like I said, Josh, has been fantastic all season. Number one in almost every category imaginable. They've been just dominant all series. They picked the absolute worst time to have a blow-up seventh inning. So they go to Tommy Canley in the seventh. He clearly doesn't have it. Allows three hits. He's pulled immediately. This is the next topic of discussion that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yancey Almonte comes in, allows a base hit to Juan Soto, and the game is now tied. Runners on first and third, nobody out. He strikes out Manny Machado. He then, I believe, gets Brandon Drury, who I think was up after him, to foul out. Two quick outs, and Yancey Almonte looked damn good recording those two outs. He throws one pitch to Jake Cronenworth, and that was it for Dave Roberts. He comes out, replaces him with Alex Bessia. Bringing in Alex Vestia is a move that the computers say is the smart move. Vestia is much better against lefties. Cronenworth is much worse against lefties. But Almonte, Josh, he looked fantastic recording those two outs. And I believe like Alex Vestia recently just started getting warmed up. Like It wasn't like he was you know, throwing pitches for five minutes. He recently started getting warm. Well, he gets a call that doesn't go his way that should have been strike three. It was a call that the imp was calling all night, didn't get the call allows the go-ahead RBI single to Jake Cronenworth. Two runners come in. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on going with the analytics, going with the computers, say, is the better matchup with Alex Vessio Or do you think Dave Roberts should have just said, you know what, Yancey Almonte looks like he's got a feel of things. I'm going to let him close things out to get us out of the inning.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, that strike zone was horrific since the top of the first yeah. inning. I mean, good first pitch. God. First, first pitch, pitch of the, ball of the game. game. Um, and and you know what, that's, that's what's so uh, – uh, that's what's so frustrating about it for that, um, for that pitch um, that could have been strike three is that that was not a strike. Wasn't a strike. Any other game of the season, it's not a strike. Tonight, it was a strike. It had been a strike for seven innings, uh, and it wasn't a strike on that particular instance for whatever
1: reason. Even even um, earlier but, in the bat, Josh, there was a pitch when you look at the uh, strike zone. Yeah. Image, oh, it, earlier there in was, the at bat it was a it strike. It was called a strike, and the one that was called a ball was closer to the strike zone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you can't, That that's just something you can't make up. I mean, that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that, that in itself is very disappointing. But look, I mean, we have this conversation all the time. I mean, both on the podcast, not on the podcast, in person, over text, on the phone, whatever it might be. You and I have this conversation. I have this conversation with every Dodger fan. When do you stop playing with the analytics? In this situation, because I totally get it, I totally get it. Like what the computer says is that you should go to Alex Vesia in that situation. But again, Almonte looked pretty good getting those two outs, and he got them pretty quickly too in a very tough situation. And yeah, he gave up a hit, um, or I think it was a hit, or it was the the sacrifice or whatever it was. Um, but a, a run came in, not charged to him, and then he got two quick outs. So so I don't know. I mean, again, like we we said something the other night about how the Dodgers needed to do something different. Um, And in that seventh inning, there was a sack fly. There was a double steal. There was a bunt. And it all worked, right? It all worked perfectly. And those are all things that we have not seen the Dodgers do all season, man. I mean, we hadn't seen them do that all season. And somehow they only got one run out of it still. But that's neither here nor there. Here in the bottom of the seventh inning, you go with what the computer tells you to do. And it comes back to bite you. And there were a couple instances where in that inning, the Dodgers seemed to be shifting with runners on base. And it's like... If you weren't shifting, that's a ground out. That's maybe a double play even, but they don't do that. You know, the Dodgers do what the numbers tell them to. They do what the computer tells them to in any situation, and we've ranted about this all season long. You go to extra innings, Dodgers play the computer, other teams play small ball, and the Dodgers seem to lose every extra innings game they go to in the regular season but it's because these other teams just play smart baseball. They play small ball. The Dodgers go with what the book tells them to do, and it seems to come back and bite them. So again, I mean, at some point, you need to find a middle ground here, and we've talked about this a couple of times just in the postseason alone where the Dodgers have gone with what the computer, what the analytics tell them to do, and it's come back to bite them. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons.
1: by far the best pitcher in the Dodgers' bullpen, one of the best relievers in all of baseball, Evan Phillips, is nowhere to be found. I mean, the game is imploding in front of your very eyes. Now, granted, again, Yancey Almonte did what needed to be done. Like, he, he looked solid, and he almost got the Dodgers out of the jam. But Evan Phillips, and I just saw a tweet, because uh, I guess Dave Roberts is having his postgame presser now. Uh, apparently, Dave Roberts said that the plan was to save Evan Phillips for the ninth inning, which completely goes against what this whole bu- – Closer by committee doesn't make any sense. Has been like you're saving Evan Phillips for the ninth when you need crucial outs now. I get that it was the bottom of the order, but Josh, the bottom of the order has been what's been so dominant for the Padres all series. Jurixon Profar hit 280, OPS of 800. Trankrisham Grisham hit 381, OPS of over 1300. Austin Nola hit 381, OPS of 916. Then you go to the top of the lineup. Hassan Kim, 192, 600 OPS. Juan Soto, 250, 600 OPS. Manny Machado hit 300 with an OPS of just under 1,000. The bottom of the order has been what's been beating the Dodgers this series. It's what beat the Mets last week. The fact that they didn't go to Evan Phillips, again, you're saving him for the ninth. You need to get through the seventh. You need to get through the eighth. Figure it out in the ninth if you have a 2-0 lead with whoever's left available, but you need to make sure you get there and the Dodgers didn't get there and for some reason hey Evan Phillips at least came in the 8th inning to pitch so we got that but the fact that he was not anywhere to be found he wasn't in even the warming inning, up he wasn't it, even
0: warming up i mean they pointed it out on tv too um yeah. they pointed it out on on the broadcast saw it on twitter they kept showing the bullpen there was nobody warming up when vesia came in it was vesia's inning one way or another regardless of what happened it was alex vesia so Um, But then again, back to your point with the bottom of the order, I mean, the bottom of the order is what did the Dodgers in all series. Um, And yeah, you know what, if you look to the top of the lineup and you want to be a little bit worried about Juan Soto for what his ceiling is and what his potential is. Yeah, sure. You want to be worried about Manny Machado, given what he's, what his history is with the Dodgers and how good he's been against the Dodgers in the past. And the fact that he hit 300 this year and had an extremely high OPS. Yeah. Be a little bit cautious of Manny Machado. But the bottom of the order has been what's been doing the Dodgers in all series long. It's been what's great for the Padres all postseason. Trent Grisham has been fantastic all postseason after having a terrible regular season. And the Dodgers continue to plan around those top three at the top of the order. Hasan Kim, who hit like 150, and then Juan Soto and Manny Machado. Those are the three that the Dodgers all series long have been been making bullpen decisions based off of were those three bats at the top of the order. And again, that's another thing that looking back at it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when those three guys weren't the ones doing you in all series.
1: Yeah. So, again, some questionable decisions there in the seventh inning. Just really for the most part, the way that the Dodgers approached the last couple of games, it's something that you would approach as if you were up 2-0, 3-0 in a series. It makes no sense that they're looking ahead again. Looking at this Dave Roberts quote, the fact that they were saving Evan Phillips for the ninth, I just it blows my mind. Again, I, I I'm not giving Dave as much backlash as he's gotten in previous years because we haven't even got to the point. I mean, it's we were going to be shorter than I thought, but there is still something I want to touch on before we end the show. But this the seventh inning was horrible from Dave Roberts. The rest of the series, he did a near perfect job when it came to the bullpen. Agreed. You can only you can only ask so much, but up until tonight, he was – honestly, there wasn't a move. I mean maybe the Blake tried to move a few games ago, but aside from that one homer, Blake tried to look good. But Josh, again, I'll put 5 to 10% of the blame on Dave Roberts. But the reason the Dodgers lost this series – I'm at a loss for words. It's the offense. This offense was the best in all of baseball. They were the only team that averaged more than five runs a game. They led in essentially every category imaginable with the exception of home runs. They led in runs scored. They led in average. They led in OPS. They led in slugging. They led in uh, weighted runs created plus. They led in everything, Josh. And this offense was nowhere to be found. They did score five runs in game one. But, Josh, after game one, when they had their offensive just showcase of five runs, which, by the way, we talked about it after the game ended, they were held scoreless over the final seven innings. But Josh, over the final three games, this historically great offense that's filled with MVPs, All-Stars, Silver Sluggers, they scored seven runs. They went two for 26 with runners in scoring position, and they left 26 men on base in three games. I I tweeted this, I think, yesterday. You You could take maybe 15, 20 people from the Arroyo Seco baseball team that we covered a few years ago, (laughs) put them at the the major league level, they might luck their way into more than two hits in 26 at bats with runners in scoring position. This is what lost the series for the Dodgers. It's what lost them the game in game two, it's what lost them the game in game three, and it's what lost them the game tonight. In each one of these games, if the Dodgers just had one, one additional hit with the runner in scoring position, they most likely win the game. Tonight, the Dodgers had numerous chances. I mean, what tonight they ended up finishing two for nine. They left nine on base. The seventh inning, they had runners on second and third, one out. A strikeout, a ground out, whatever it was. Earlier in the game, they had the bases loaded with Will Smith at the plate. They only scored one run out of it. The Dodgers lost the series because the offense was non-existent, and they were horrific. It was embarrassing at bats. The approach of the plate was downright horrific i mean we talked about this leading up to this postseason series this was something that i talked about on the show and on twitter but a lot of people were kind of against it this shouldn't be all that surprising the final three weeks of the regular season the dodgers offense was one of the two to three worst in all of baseball now i know a lot of people said well they clinched the division they were kind of in cruise control but the way they played those final three weeks I was saying this is how they're going to lose in October. If the bats go cold, if they don't hit with the runners in scoring position, this is going to be their downfall in October. But everyone said, well, they're just, you know, checking out a little because, you know, they have the division locked up. Well, that, that uh, mindset, if that was the case, carried over into October. And this team was just downright awful. Yeah. And that's the easiest way to put it.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were absolutely pathetic at the plate. Um, and that's, that's kind of what it all boiled down to. I mean, two for 26 with runners in scoring position these last couple games. If they have, let's say they go five for 26 with runners in scoring they, position.
1: They might sweep.
0: If they go five for 26 with runners in scoring yeah. position. Not, not even five. Let's take today's game out of it. Take today's game out yeah. of it. If they go four for 20 if they go three for 26 so you take today's mm-hmm. game out they had a, they had a hit with runners in scoring position today take today's game out of it that puts them at uh three for let's say they went three for 20 because today it was zero for 20 through the last couple of games if they went three for 20 with runners in scoring position they sweep the series
1: they do that's I mean, how that, that's bad the they part. were this
0: that's how bad they were this this series that's how i don't want to say i don't want to say bad but that's how mediocre the Padres were offensively, too. I mean, the Padres outplayed the Dodgers again, but I don't think they had a very clean series. I mean, this was a grueling series for the Padres, I think, too. But, I mean, the Dodgers go 3-for-20 with runners in scoring position over these last two games before even going into tonight. They likely sweep the series. Likely. yeah And then coming into tonight, I mean, they should have won tonight's game, too. with Minus the seventh inning, I mean, you play eight innings of or six innings of good baseball, get a couple of big hits. Um, I mean, the Dodgers are right there too, but two for 26 with runners in scoring position, it's not going to win you any baseball games. It's certainly not going to um, win you any playoff games, let alone playoff series. Um, and uh, that's what ultimately leads to this Dodgers postseason run ending. What could be the most disappointing end to a season in, in baseball history. I mean, it is that bad. Yeah.
1: I mean, when you're looking at just how everyone finished, you know, to recap the series, Mookie Betts, 143 average, OPS below 500. Will Smith, 188 average, OPS of below 500. Freddie Freeman had a big night tonight. He was the only player on the offense that showed up and he had a pretty solid showing in game two. So he finished the series hitting 357, OPS of 1300. Josh, I know he was our pre-series uh, MVP pick, and if you would have told me he'd hit 357 with an OPS of 1,300, I'd say the Dodgers probably swept, so Freddie Freeman did what needed to be done. Trey Turner's an interesting one. He ends up, he ends up finishing the series hitting 333, OPS of 1,100. But it oddly just didn't feel that way. I no. think it's because he had, he had such a fantastic showing in Game 1 that really helped his numbers with the home run, with the double. Hit another home run in Game 2. Had two hits tonight, but they were just, you know, singles that didn't really amount to much. So, again, he hits three thirty-three, OPS of 1,100, second best hitter on the team. But that's got to be just the least sexy and just, I don't know. Like If, if I would have told you to say, how do you think Trey did this series at the plate, you probably would have said, not so great, because he had a number of timely strikeouts. He had a number of at-bats with runners in scoring position that he didn't come up big at. We won't even talk about the defense, but, yeah, I mean, Hit, th- hit 333, but it just it, – it felt a lot worse than that.
0: Well, I know you don't want to talk about the defense, but I would say that I think that his defensive play this series detracts from his offensive performance because that's kind of the magnitude that some of those poor plays had uh, for Trey Turner. Um, but but really, I mean, you know, he had the big home run, but at the plate, I mean, I honestly, I don't think he, he had very many good at-bats. I mean, like, y- you look yeah. at – I mean even even just the top the the top of the ninth inning in game four is like a microcosm of the entire series, where not only do you have three players in Mookie Trey and Freddie come into the plate that had terrific seasons, were catalysts in the Dodgers team and and catalysts in the offense, um but also outside of outside of Mookie, like Trey had a decent series and had a hit tonight. Freddie had a phenomenal game four. And like, these are the guys that in any situation, I think that you would want coming to the plate, but it was just a microcosm of the series. And the fact that two of those three had great games, a decent series, the three of them had a phenomenal regular season too. And that's what happens in the top of the ninth inning. I mean, three just atrocious at bats in the top yeah. of the ninth inning. And that was just kind of Dodgers, October baseball outside of 2020 in a nutshell, it seemed like.
1: Because the crazy thing is, again, I said this earlier, they were down two runs entering the ninth. With your three best hitters coming up, you just need a guy to get on base with a walk. And Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, a home run ties it. But those three at-bats, I think Hader threw only ten pitches. They couldn't look more checked out. Those were probably the three worst at-bats of the season for the Dodgers. But just uh, recapping one, uh, one final time before we move away from the offense, Josh. So Mookie Betts was awful. Will Smith was awful. Max Muncy, he did hit 286, OPS of 950. He had some big hits, he had some big plays, so he came ready to play this series. Justin Turner hit 154, OPS of 467. I know he was fantastic the last couple months of the season. He looked like he was on the final leg of his career. This series, he looked outmatched. He looked like he couldn't catch up to any sort of fastballs. He was a liability at the plate. So it'll be interesting to see what the Dodgers do with him. Again, we'll talk about him more when we talk about the series as a whole and just what this means. Trace Thompson, he was, you know, the big spark the Dodgers acquired earlier in the season. He was fantastic with the Dodgers during his second run. He hits 154, OPS of 467. Chris Taylor was just atrocious. I think he finishes the series going 0 for 8 with 5 strikeouts, I want to say. Maybe 0 for 7 with 5 strikeouts or something like that. He doesn't record a hit. Cody Bellinger, 143, OPS of 286. He was just god-awful as well. And then you have Gavin Lux. He had 231, OPS of 539. Outside of that double in game one, uh, which was the running meme, but that was the last time the Dodgers got a hit with runners in scoring position, he was awful. And honestly, Josh, outside of Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie, the best hitter in the series was Austin Barnes, who only got three at-bats. So I, I tweeted this before the game started, saying that, This is what my lineup would be, and Austin Barnes needs to be in the lineup because he's looked like he's had the best at-bats. He doesn't see any at bat tonight. And Joey Gallo, who the Dodgers acquired at the trade deadline, gold glove defense in the outfield, probably has a better chance of hitting a home run than anyone in baseball. He sees zero. Josh, we we had the same number of at-bats that Joey Gallo did this series. That's true. We had the same number of at-bats, and one final one. Miguel Vargas, who made the roster over Hanser Alberto because the Dodgers love his plate discipline, they think he'd be a great matchup against pitchers. He doesn't see a single about as well. So, uh, just an all-around embarrassing, humiliating, disastrous showing from the offense and the fact that Barnes didn't get more tries, the fact that Vargas and Gallo didn't get even one attempt, one shot at it. It's Again, we'll talk about this more in the next episode when we expand, but something has to be done. Yep. I'll, I'll just mean, leave it at that. Something has to be done.
0: Yeah, and, and you know my, my roommate said this the other day, and it made me laugh because now we're in the moment where it, it, it matters, and I agree with him. Padres fans are going to want to chirp, or they're going to want to talk trash, and honestly, it's like, I agree. We I deserve agree with it. You. No, I agree I mean, with you. Whatever, whatever yeah. you say, you're right. I agree with you because, again, like – I mean, good for the Padres. Um, did they have a great series? Not really. Were they better than the Dodgers? Oh, absolutely they were better than the Dodgers. Um, I think I, I think that this is going to be an interesting matchup, Phillies-Padres. I think it'd be fun to watch if, if baseball didn't disgust me at the moment, but we'll see how I feel in a couple days. Um, but I don't know if the Padres win the World Series this year. I don't think they do, but they absolutely deserve this, and, and good for them, good for their fans. They haven't had anything like that in a while, and... You know, they've been trying to push this rivalry. Major League Baseball has been trying to push this rivalry for a long time. And I think that the Dodgers and, and you know, the um, Dodgers fans have been saying that it's not really a rivalry. Well, now you've got a playoff series and they've met two out of the last three years. Um, each team has won one. And now the Padres finally break through. It's a rivalry now. I, I think it absolutely is now. Um, but you're right. I think something needs to be done going forward. Um, you can't have the same story every single year in the postseason, because it's the same issues every single year, except for 2020. And you, you look back at, you know, winning the world series in 2020 and outside of that year, even going to the world series in 17 and 18 and making a run in 19 and making a run in 16. It's the same issues that always catch up with the Dodgers every single year. Um, And it's no different this year. So, in a sense, do I feel kind of speechless? Do I feel like I'm repeating the same things over and over again? Yeah, but like, am I shocked? Not really. I, I mean, I mean, the, the
1: immediate yeah. shock
0: is there, but am I really surprised? Not really.
1: Yeah, I, I said this to my girlfriend in the eighth inning, and I said, remember how about a month or so ago, I forget what point it was, it was late in September, we were just talking, and we both said, there's just something deep down where each of us have some strange feeling that it's going to be a very short October for the Dodgers. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's just the fact that they were setting records and it just seemed like the only way that they could even meet expectations would be winning a World Series. There was just something that I just thought I don't have a good feeling about this postseason. I don't know if other people had it, but well again this this is something we have a lot of a lot of time this off season Josh. we have a lot of episodes we're going to record, so we did go a little longer than I thought we would, but just an overall embarrassing embarrassing performance from the Dodgers an all time historic collapse so Josh, before we uh record our next episode, any parting words before uh we head out for the the nights to do who knows who knows what at this point
0: <sighs> embarrassing. Uh, humiliating any other words that mean the same thing. Those would be my final thoughts, um, but you know what? We'll give it a couple days. days. Um, we'll have a season recap um, a little bit earlier than I think either of us would have hoped. I um, mean, a lot of people would have hoped, but we'll let this settle for a couple of days. Um, do what we got to do these next few days. And then, uh, and then we'll come back hopefully with uh, with some more thoughts on, on the season as a whole.
1: And we'll go from there. Right, so make sure you guys follow Inside the Ravine on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Like we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of episodes coming this off season. More specifically, in the coming weeks as we just break down, recap this series as a whole, this season as a whole, because it's – again, like Josh said, kind of speechless – No words to describe it. So again, if you guys are listening for the first time, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast because this is definitely the Dodgers podcast you'll want to tune into over the offseason because this has a chance to be one of the craziest offseasons in Dodgers history. A lot of free agents, a lot of potential trades. We're going to have to see what happens. Maybe there's uh, some changes when it comes to the coaching staff. So definitely have to stay tuned for that. But again, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in Thank you so much, as always, for Josh Schaefer. This has been Blake Harris. This has been Inside the Ravine, a Dodgers podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We hope you somehow manage to have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week, a great rest of your month, wherever you may be.